Well, hey everyone, and welcome to our Sunday service for today, September the 6th, 2020. It's good to have you with us, and uh, happy Labor Day to all of you. I see there's a few of you who are jumping on live, and a number of people will watch this via recording. So if you're listening, perhaps, uh, through Podbean, or you are listening through the Apple Podcasts, platform uh, welcome to you as well uh, there's a couple of people who are probably watching this live on our website so welcome to you as well I'm just going to open up this service in prayer this morning father we thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you and uh, Lord uh, help us I pray to put distractions aside and to put uh, anxiety aside and God, many of us have had uh, high-stress weeks with the kids going back to school and uh, perhaps a work situation changing, uh, but Lord, we pray that uh, you would be front and center and you would be the focus of our attention today, Lord. Uh, I pray for those who are in healthcare situations where they're exposed to a higher risk than others, Lord, people in schools with all these kids coming back and all of the mask or no mask and all of these things uh, but God we praise you for you are faithful we praise you for you are with us for you know exactly what we are going through so help us Lord to focus in this time uh, of worship we pray in Jesus name amen Let the people say 
glory of your name. Let revival come, let the people sing the glory of your name. Let revival come, let the people sing the glory of your name. Let revival come, let the people sing the glory of your name, the glory of your name. We believe in the kingdom come, we believe in the risen sun you bring our hearts to life. Lord, we come with our hands up high. Satisfy you bring our hearts to life. You bring our hearts to life. We are alive. We are
made me a promise and it won't stop now Your presence is an open door Watch you, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door. We watch you, Lord, like never before. Your presence is an open door we watch you lord like never before your presence is an open door so come now lord like never Thank you for your presence, God, like never before. You know, folks, um, in this in this six month period here that we're in, or whatever it is, five and a half months, six months, there's this temptation to stop, isn't there? There's this temptation to say, "Oh, you know, this is so tiring. This is so exhausting." And to just kind of give up, you know, just throw up your hands and sort of stay inside and, and um, you know, get discouraged. Uh, whatever it is that it, that it manifests in your personal life. But it, there's, this, there's this sense that I have this morning that we, we come to a place where we just, just want to stop. And um, you'll hear from the message today. Uh, God doesn't stop. God keeps going. And... Um, God is not uh, dismayed or discouraged, uh, but he keeps going and he keeps working in his ways. And he's just looking for us to reach to him and to hold his hand uh, through the journey. So wherever you're at today, I just feel in my heart to, to pray for you. Don't stop now uh, because God doesn't. Uh, so, Father, we just we just praise you and we worship you. For Lord, uh, though we sleep, though we get tired, though we need refreshing, though, though we need to be renewed every day, uh, God, you, you never run dry. You, you are the power source that needs no recharging, Lord. Uh, you don't have to plug yourself in at night to be recharged. Uh, you don't stop, and Lord, uh, your, your promises to us are true and are real, and um, they don't dissipate uh, even when we're discouraged, even when we feel like, where's God? Where have you gone, Lord? Uh, you're right here, and you're right there with us. So I pray that your presence would be felt and sensed in each household. Um, God, uh, people who are uh, married, single, divorced, single parents, whatever the situation, grandparents, uh, aunts, uncles, whatever, God, I, I pray, whether people are working or not working, people are, are financially stressed or not financially stressed, whatever our condition, Lord, may we sense your presence with us at this moment. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining with us, and uh, I want to thank uh, Simon and Terrence for producing that set and uh, working so hard on that, and it's great to be with you this Labor Day weekend. Who who would have thought uh, that this is what Labor Day would be like uh, in the year 2020, but I trust that you are able to take some time to rest. I know some of you are working right through the weekend. Uh, just on our Zoom call before the service, we talked to a 
lady in our church and she's on call all through the weekend 24 hours so you know no break for her but maybe you get a little bit of a window uh, just to get outside enjoy the fresh air maybe spend some time with friends with family whatever it is for you but be refreshed uh, this Labor Day weekend and um, you, you deserve it you deserve to be rested okay and so thank you so much for joining with us maybe there are those of you who are first time watching this this feed this stream the service uh, again i'm i'm talking to people who may be listening to a recording uh, you may just be listening online you may be watching the recording online we've just added a new feature where you can watch our service live uh, on our facebook uh, sorry on our website not just on facebook live but also on our website at citypointchurch.ca just go to the connect and sermons tab and you'll see it there and uh, just make sure to set your resolution to 720p if it looks a little bit rough there uh, i know some people are not that comfortable watching anything on facebook so we've enabled this feature for you as well and we record all of our contents on the podbean and apple Podcasts platforms you can subscribe to them and that way when we have new content it'll you'll get a notification for that that's the easiest way if you're new with us if you have a cell phone, text the key phrase, reach the one, no spaces, reach the one to 514-900-0130. And I will be happy to follow up your visit with us and send you something electronic in the mail or in the email, I should say, that you will really, really uh, enjoy. Check us out online at citypointchurch.ca. And I'd encourage you to remember our missionaries and to keep on praying for them. They are back to uh, services at Eglise uh, La Forteresse in uh, Haiti. We'll put them on the screen there. And they are back uh, doing that. But uh, at the same time, our missionaries need prayer. Uh, Haiti is always a volatile uh, place in the world. And uh, there has been the, the hurricane season. And uh, I've seen videos of flooding in the streets there. And our missionaries are always under pressure, always need to persevere and endure under difficult circumstances. So pray for the Charbonneaux, pray for Don and Marie-José Mann as they continue to prepare uh, and wait for travel bans to be lifted. But they are preparing the Quest Leadership uh, Program and the content as they're going to be engaging in leadership training all around the world. Uh, wanted to, again, in case you missed it last week, want to say thank you to all the volunteers who came out. Nice picture of them on the screen uh, a couple of weeks ago, Wednesday, to move all of our setup from screen number 14 to screen number 10 at Cineplex Existrant in, um, in Brossard. We're going to be having our first service there, uh, gathering there on the 20th of September, okay? We are starting with a once-per-month format there uh, in view of the, the situation that we are in. But uh, people are excited, and I've been getting some, some comments from people who oh, can't wait uh, to, to show up on September the 20th, okay? The service is going to be at 10.15, tried to make it a little bit later but uh, the theater needs time to clean and to prepare and so it's going to stay at 10 15 a.m as it was a pre-pandemic situation so right now you've got it at 11 o'clock all right september the 20th we're back to 10 15 all right and so uh, really looking forward to gathering there and uh, being in the same place uh, with people, number 10 is a bigger screen, and so it is uh, easier to have the two-meter distancing. We will have masks on hand. Everything is being prepared, so you'll have a safe experience uh, on the 20th of September. All right, and keep in mind, not going to be any kids' ministry. We're all going to be in the one place. Service will be nice and, and uh, tight, and it's going to be a great experience for everybody. So I have been waiting a long time. Uh, for this and so thankful again for the volunteers who uh, moved everything and we turned on the switch and we got sound and we got video and everything is ready to go okay for the 20th of September and we're also going to continue to stream live for those of you who want to stay at home no problem at all we're going to stream the whole service including the worship right to your device whatever it is so we're going to keep that going uh, that's not stopping. Okay. So I uh, also wanted to talk to you about the alpha course that is starting this Wednesday night, 
online, all right? From 7 to 8 p.m. is a one-hour meeting, and that's it. If you don't know what Alpha is, go onto our website at citypointchurch.ca. Scroll to the bottom, and you'll see a video, kind of a trailer that gives you an understanding of what Alpha is in a basic sense. This is an introduction to Christianity. So it, it it's geared to answer basic questions, you know, why did Jesus die? How do I pray? How do I read the Bible? All kinds of different questions about life and hope and faith and God. And it's an exploration of Christianity done in a very, very contemporary format. Uh, so there's time for discussion. We're going to watch a video together through the Zoom platform. And um, it's a... It, this is an opportunity for you to invite somebody who is new, perhaps, to the Christian faith or maybe from a different religious view or no religious view at all. You know, the number one religious view in North America is no religious view. Uh, so maybe there's a person like that in your life, a relative, a spouse, a uh, brother, sister, uh, teammate, schoolmate, classmate, uh, colleague at work, whatever. And this is a chance to introduce them to Christianity. Maybe you're a Christian already and you say, well, it's kind of boring for me. No, not really, because you get to know new people and you get to uh, look at the answers to those basic questions. I have found that some Christians who have been in church for years can't really explain why did Jesus die? Uh, how do I read the Bible? Uh, what is evil? And just basic things like that. Some of us have a really hard time, if we're being honest, grappling with those questions, and we're looking for a safe place to dialogue, a safe place to be with one another and express our opinions and our, our questions. And in the Alpha format, uh, there's no condemnation, okay? You can come in with whatever view, whatever opinion you want, and no one's going to slam you over the head and say, well, you're wrong, this is wrong, and this is sin, and you shouldn't say that and shouldn't do that. No, we're going to let God do that in people's lives and journey together with people in this exploration of the Christian faith. And so uh, if you want to participate and uh, just if you want to just attend, you can. I would challenge you to try and invite a friend. I've been inviting a couple of people myself. Uh, but if you want to attend, it's really easy. Just text Alpha QC to that same number, 514-900-0130, and that'll help me to uh, get you onto our electronic list. I'll send out the Zoom link today or tomorrow, all right? So I'm really looking forward to this as we keep going, right? God doesn't stop and the church doesn't stop either. And we want to reach people who are far from God and together become passionate followers of Jesus. And Alpha is a great tool for that. Uh, last announcement, a couple more for you. Uh, today is the last day that you can watch uh, the stage production of the story of Esther from the Bible's Old Testament. Now, it's a strange thing. The, this, uh, this organization, Sight and Sound Theaters in the United States, has, over this pandemic season, uh, starting at Easter, they had their production of Jesus uh, through uh, the Trinity Broadcasting Network for free. And uh, there were millions of people, I think they said about 5 million people, who tuned in around the world for that. And then they put Jonah on, I think, two weeks ago. And again, a huge response. And so what they have done this Labor Day weekend is they've actually put the cameras into the theater. I've been to the theater, and it's 2,000 seats, uh, state-of-the-art Broadway-type production. And they only do Bible stories, and they've brought the cameras in there, and they've, they're doing it live, streaming right to your house, uh, just this weekend, there's one more show today at 3 p.m. Uh, my family and I, we watched the show on Friday night. It was spectacular. A very, very large production. You know, they've got a 300-foot wraparound stage with the whole Persian Empire and the whole thing. It was just fantastic, and it will give you a look into the Bible's book of Esther that you probably haven't really uh, imagined before great for kids it's you, there's tons of music in it and live animals and all this kind of thing so if you want to 
uh, watch it. Go to site-soundtv. I think it's $33 Canadian. I think, in my view, money well spent. I know Mulan has been released by Disney Plus this weekend. You can watch Mulan or you can watch Queen Esther, okay? Uh, I haven't watched Mulan yet, but I've watched Queen Esther, and it's it's fantastic. So today at 3 is the last show. And uh, before we get into our message today, I wanted to say thank you so much for those of you who have given to the uh, recovery of Lebanon, if I can use that word, recovery. And um, so we raised $505, which turns into 1,010 because through our um, uh, emergency relief and development overseas arm of of our fellowship nationwide, uh, they have a matching donor situation or matching uh, contribution system. So that's $1,010 that is going there. So thank you so much for your generosity. And in giving, there's a link on your screen there so that you can give online. So many people have been faithful for the last number of months And that enables us to do everything that we're doing, including what you're experiencing right now, has a financial cost. So thank you so much for your generosity. So we have started a new series called Dear Churches, Dear Churches. And this is out of the uh, three introductory chapters to the book of Revelation in the Bible's New Testament. We're not going to do the whole book of Revelation we're just going to look at these first three chapters, uh, specifically the messages that Jesus himself has for these churches, okay? And that's why I call it Dear Churches. And the way these things are written by the author of the book of Revelation, they transcend time. And the messages that Jesus has are not only for those specific churches in the first century, but also for the church at large throughout the ages. And there are some incredibly relevant uh, things that we see in this this kind of um, uh, letter format uh, from Jesus to these churches. So that's why we're calling it Dear Churches. And today I want to talk to you about politically incorrect Jesus, okay? Politically incorrect Jesus. Remember, as we looked at last week, Revelation is a very, very unique piece of literature, even in the ancient world, because it is a fusion of three different kinds of literature. Um, It is an apocalypse, So apocalyptic literature we talked about last week. There's certain characteristics to it. Uh, uh, The Greek word apocalypse does not mean the end of the world. Okay, we've kind of changed the meaning to make it mean the end of the world. Apocalyptic literature uh, is is does talk about the end for sure, but we've kind of changed the meaning of the word. It means a, an unveiling or an uncovering, as if you're removing a curtain that's covering something. And there are a number of traits of apocalyptic literature that we talked about uh, last week, and there are dozens of books similar in some ways to Revelation, uh, from the time of Revelation, but Revelation is really, really bizarre in two ways. Um, specifically, it, the writer is named. It's not a pseudonym writer, so it's John, and he's not some spectacular, grandiose figure from the Old Testament, which is the way apocalyptic literature used to go. You would write it under a pseudonym like Moses or Enoch or somebody like that. Um, and also, it does. it says the opposite of all other apocalyptic literature, which is to seal up uh, these words until the appropriate time. That's what apocalyptic literature did, but John's work doesn't do that. Uh, It says to, to not seal it. So that's the big difference, but it's not only apocalypse, it's, it's prof- prophetic in the predictive sense, and it's also a letter. So it's this bizarre fusion of these three kinds of literature, all right? It's addressed to these, these seven churches in Asia uh, at that time, and it's kind of like a paper route uh, format, really, uh, starting from Ep- Ephesus and ending in Laodicea. Uh, Jesus is addressing, through the writer John, these specific churches and their specific situations. So we're going to start today with the first church, Politically Incorrect Jesus, is the title of our message. We're going to talk about the city of Ephesus, and this is 
uh, the text from Revelation chapter 2. It's, it's relatively short, so I'm going to read it to you. To the angel of the church, Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, in Ephesus. Now, that word angel can also be messenger in some translations of the Bible. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. And the stars in the right hand uh, is interpreted for us at the end of chapter 1. Those are the messengers or the angels of the churches. And this, the lampstands themselves are the churches. So that's one of the signs that is at least interpreted for us in the book of Revelation by Jesus himself. Verse 2, and again, this is Jesus who's speaking. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance, and I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. My goodness, this is Jesus who is saying this. Very, You're going to see a very politically incorrect Jesus here. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. Very direct. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. This is, uh, these are a lot of positive, encouraging remarks, but very politically incorrect at the same time. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Wow. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent... I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Politically incorrect. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. It is a strong, strong passage here uh, from Revelation chapter 2. Now, uh, what's really helpful to try and interpret this message and to try and apply it to our lives today is that we fortunately have a lot of information about the city of Ephesus. Uh, in the New Testament, we even have a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. We also have um, his writing to Timothy, and Timothy would be the pastor uh, in Ephesus for a while. We know from Acts chapter 19 that Paul himself spent about two and a half years planting and uh, nurturing a church in the city of Ephesus. So if you go to Acts chapter 19, just to get some background and try and figure out what is this city, man, there are a lot of things that you see about Ephesus right away. I'll just highlight a couple of them uh, for you. Uh, Paul went in there into Ephesus and uh, there was certainly Judaism there because he went into a synagogue and we're told in verse 8 of Acts 19 that he spoke boldly there for three months. So he would be very persuasive with uh, the Jewish presence that was in the city of Ephesus, but he, he experienced some persecution there. Uh, and so he leaves them and he goes into more of a non-Jewish context uh, the lecture hall of Tyrannus, which was there in the city of Ephesus. And for two years he's in there and he's trying to persuade people about the Christian message. We're told that he does extraordinary miracles there. God does them through Paul, even things like handkerchiefs and aprons that he touched that were taken to the sick and people who had issues with, with demons. This is one of the things that we see in Acts chapter 19. The Ephesians had quite um, an attraction to the world of the occult. 
we can see uh, a strange story of um, the, the, the seven, they're called the seven sons of Skeva. Uh, and he was a, uh, seems to have been a Jewish uh, uh, priest. And his sons would run around trying to do these exorcisms, and uh, they ran into big trouble uh, with with a man who answered back when they tried to do this to him. And the man said, Jesus, I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Because they had said to this man, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out, you know, to try and do this sort of strange exorcism. And it did not go well for these men. Uh, we see this in Acts chapter 19. Uh, we see also that there are uh, people there who, after they see the power of God through Paul's ministry, um, they they take all of their occultic literature and they bring it out into the open and they they burn it. And the value of the scrolls and the paraphernalia that they bring out is is a huge, like the equivalent of millions of dollars in our day. And uh, there's a riot that happens in the city of Ephesus because Paul, in his preaching about Christianity, would challenge the whole commercial setup in Ephesus, which was based on the worship of the goddess Artemis or Diana. And I think there's a picture on the screen there that we can put. Uh, And this is a statue uh, or a couple of statues, really, that have been dug up out of the city of Ephesus, and you can see this rather ornate um, statues of uh, these statues of Artemis, sometimes called Diana. This was a goddess of fertility uh, for the most part, and you can see all kinds of things on, you know, on the statue that indicate that. Um, And they would, they would worship very seriously this idol. And you can see that there's a riot that starts in Ephesus because Paul and his companions are being persecuted for disrupting the trade, like the commerce, because people were turning away from idolatry. And uh, when they did that, it would hurt the business. And so there was this huge riot that you can read about in uh, Acts chapter 19. And, and so this is the atmosphere that we see in, uh, in Acts chapter 19 about Ephesus. So you see occultism, you do see Judaism, yes, but the predominance of, of the occult there was very strong. You have this Artemis or Diana worship that's happening there. There was a there was a large uh, temple there as well. A lot of things have been dug up in the city of Ephesus to help us understand it. And then you have Paul's letter itself. And in Paul's letter, and we can put that on the screen, some of these these notes here, um, he talks about, you know, if you think about a culture of, of idolatry, Paul, in the book of Ephesians, he says, he talks about immorality, impurity, and greed, which a person who practices those things is an idolater, according to Paul in, in Ephesians. And then you can look at, at the overall book of Ephesians, and you see an, an emphasis there in the opening chapters on the Christian's identity. So that would, that would explain things. That would help these people who are coming out of paganism and the occult to understand who they are. He talks about relationships uh, and mutual submission for a couple of chapters. And he ends the book talking about spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, or term that we use today, spiritual warfare. So, wow, it's quite the city. And now we have Jesus in Revelation chapter 2 giving the last address in the Bible to this specific church. So if you look at ancient Ephesian culture and then you bring it into today's world and talk about modern Canadian or even North American culture, even Western civilization, you do see some similarities. Now, granted, we're not bowing down before statues of Artemis or Diana. Most of us aren't. But there is a definite materialistic, greedy culture that that we are immersed in here in in the West and here in North America, and it's and it's been kind of uh, really amplified over the last six months 
as we see the the collapse of of the economy and we can see uh, here in the west uh, people are are struggling just to keep running uh, businesses it didn't some businesses it didn't even take three months for them to collapse we look at the restaurants we look at uh, hotels entertainment industry all these things I mean it just shows these these organizations and these businesses are running you know week to week month to month with no margin and always want more and this is kind of the staple of our culture. We always have to have more, 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 more things, more materialism, and more and more and more. And now this pandemic has hit us, and a lot of a lot of families, a lot of homes don't have margin, aren't able to operate when there's some kind of world crisis that happens or lose person loses their job or whatever. There's just no margin, and we live kind of check to check to check and month to month and if ever anything happens to to jar us we've got no recovery room and a lot of it is because we spend more than we bring in and that's a mark of materialism and we're not able to manage what we have and and we see this revealed in the pandemic and when when that when that takes over a culture, when you have the, the constant pursuit of more and more and more, Paul would say uh, to the Ephesians 2,000 years ago, that's like idolatry. That's not much different than bowing down before a statue and worshiping it. And so the, the difference, well, yeah, sure, it's 2,000 years ago. It's, it's, it's Asia Minor in the Bible's New Testament times. Sure, very different time and all of that. But the values weren't necessarily all that different. Uh, the occult is very much alive today. Uh, even in the Western world, it takes on a little bit of a different uh, face and a different shape. Uh, but it's very, very much alive today. And so uh, this, this, we're not talking about a culture and a value system that's completely alien and foreign uh, to our own. And then Jesus starts off his address to them uh, with some positives, right? But they're very politically incorrect at the same time. He talks about their hard work, right? And, and uh, he says, I know your deeds, your hard work. Uh, Labor Day weekend. Uh, and it, it's a reminder for you, especially if you are uh, a Christ follower, you know, your, your hard work is not only what you do in the church culture and in the church context, uh, saying, well, you know, if I volunteer here or I volunteer there, then that's hard work. Uh, for sure, it is hard work. But the church is also called to be out in the world and out in the culture at large, to be salt and light in the world. Uh, you can't be salt and light unless you're outside uh, the sort of protective comfort of your church family. And so those of you who are out there in marketplace and uh, business and school and all of that, that's hard work and that's ministry. And what Jesus is saying to these people in Ephesus, hey, I know your hard work, right? Uh, your perseverance. Wow, how relevant that is in a time of pandemic. Now, these people in the first century in Ephesus were living through worse than a plague or a pandemic because their very lives were put at risk just for calling themselves uh, Christians. The persecution that they were enduring was uh, was formidable, right? Uh, I know your hard work and your perseverance. Perseverance is when you keep going. Remember, we talked about how God doesn't stop. Uh, you keep going even through a difficult circumstance, through a difficult time, a difficult season, opposition creates that opportunity for you to persevere. And I think there are many of us who this season that we're in just pushes up, pushes up against us. And we have to have that will and that drive to persevere and to keep going. Sometimes it feels like you're going up, a, a, trying to scale a wall with with no tools. I mean, it's it's that kind of difficulty that you may find yourself in from time to time in life. 
but you've got to persevere. And this church was marked for its perseverance, and Jesus has this as a positive toward them. Your endurance, he talks about in in verse 3, you have endured hardships for my name. You have not grown weary. You have not grown tired. That's very, very positive. Those are all good things. Uh, But look at this, this statement here. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men my goodness i mean today we're we're told and we're preached to about tolerance and that we have to be tolerant and we have to be respectful of all views and all values and all that and we read a passage like this and we say wow so jesus does not want us to tolerate wicked people i mean that's really really harsh really politically incorrect uh be careful here he's talking to a church culture And so what he's saying is, within your church, you do not have a tolerance for the wicked. So this would imply, at least, that the church was pretty serious about discipline and about challenging one another to a kind of moral and ethical standard. Um, And so this is not necessarily saying, you know, you... You, you are bashing the non-Christian pagan world around you. No, they were doing a lot of self-correcting on the inside. and But this is a very direct statement from Jesus. I mean, even at the end, this thing of hating the Nicolaitans or the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, Uh, That group is going to show up again in another church. We don't know much about them, but there must have been something morally and ethically very, very wrong uh, with this group of people that seemed to have an influence in Asia Minor floating around from church to church. And uh, Jesus says here, you hate their practices, which I also hate. I mean, it's not even strongly dislike, it's hate. Now, here's the thing. If you walk away from this message with one, uh, just, just, just one concept, all right, w- it's easy for us to process uh, a Jesus who is, he is love and he is peace and he is grace and he is mercy and God loves you and God has a wonderful plan for you and a wonderful future for you. It's very easy for us to process this. Um, But keep in mind that you can't have love without justice. You can't have love without uh, a moral and ethical standard. You can't have love without holiness. You, you, You can't. You can't have grace without that. Grace is when you receive a gift that you don't deserve. Mercy is when judgment is withheld from you that you do deserve. You, all these concepts are based on and have a foundation upon morality and ethics and justice and holiness. So we can't sell ourselves half of Jesus and forget about the rest. Uh, we can't communicate uh, a Jesus who is purely a God of love and not also at the same time a God of justice. You will never appreciate the good news of Jesus until you, until you first understand the bad news of your sin. All right. So so this is what, what makes this address. And really, you're going to see this theme of political incorrectness throughout Jesus's words to these seven churches. He's extremely direct. Look at this part uh, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. My goodness. So this was a discerning church. They were very particular about what was being taught to them by people who who uh, presented themselves as leaders and as apostles, and they were very, very particular about them, and they would test them. And I wonder today, are we testing what we are hearing, what we are listening to, what we are reading? There are an awful lot of people who are talking about being apostles and, and prophets and 
wow i mean just do it just search around on social media and on the internet and on a youtube uh, for apostles and the messages that they have for us today you're going to see hundreds if not thousands of of messages and there's content galore um, and the ephesians they were testing and they were finding falsehood are you testing what you were hearing are you testing what you were reading are you testing what you are watching are you discerning are you examining i was reading this week there are a lot of evangelicals here in north america that are becoming followers of q anon i don't know if you have heard of this of this movement i suppose you can call it uh but q anon is is uh, probably the most fascinating of the conspiracy theories that is out there uh, that are out there today and with q anon you have this you have this deep state um uh network kind of underground and uh you have q who is either a group or an individual who has some sort of high security access to what's really going on in the underground deep state and q will drop these clues through social media uh using the current president of the united states even using the ties that he wears as clues as to what's going on with this deep state that is trying to destroy the world and apparently this network is uh uh and i'm not exaggerating this this is what QAnon states uh is a network of devil worshiping cannibalistic pedophiles trying to subvert and destroy humanity and uh, so Q will drop these clues through social media or again using the president who's like the hero of the Q anon uh, movement to to fight against it and they believe in some type of devil and some type of spiritual war uh, warfare concept and and you know the current president is uh, is sort of the hero and going against all the the villainy of the deep state there's a lot of christians who are buying this and who are falling into this and there's all these secrets and you it once you attain the secret knowledge and can can understand it uh then you can fight against it this is not uh all that different from gnosticism i mean in the first century there was a view that you were saved by secret knowledge that's that's the basis of gnosticism how different is that from you know bowing down and worshiping a statue of artemis i mean we've got to be really really careful are we testing are we discerning are we saying well hold on are we saying no we're not going to read this we're not going to listen to this we're actually going to practice spiritual discernment and think and say no this over here is false and this over here is true and this church in ephesus was about this business and uh, again you see this really direct statement you know jesus saying he hates something he hates the practices of the nicolaitans and and these ephesians they hated those practices as as well whatever they are but this is definitely uh, a jesus who is not only an encourager but also a corrector and one who rebukes and one who challenges um these people and this church and then you see the negative that uh jesus has for this church and it is quite strong i hold this against you you have forsaken your first love remember the height from which you have fallen repent and do the things you did at first so it, it it's interesting that that we don't really know what that means exactly Re- forsaking your first love how what is he talking about it's almost as if the church would know and they would they would know that he's hitting the nail right on the head in their case and we can try and put clues together by reading acts chapter 19 by reading the book of ephesians to try and figure this out even by s- some things in the old testament uh, if we go to the the major prophet uh jeremiah uh, i'm just going to flip there 
uh, in my my paper Bible here, you see something like this in Jeremiah chapter two and uh, verse two. Um, the word of the Lord came to me, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. And so I remember the devotion of your youth, how you loved me, is what God is saying here in uh, the book of Jeremiah. And remember that Revelation draws upon uh, these Old Testament prophets uh, from time to time. And so maybe he's talking about that. Maybe he's saying that this church, even with all of the positives that they had, had somehow forsaken and chose not to prioritize their love for their God, their love for their Savior. You have forsaken your first love. It's not you have forgotten, but it's stronger language. You have forsaken your first love uh, from Hebrews chapter 10, something similar to this passage. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, and at other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that uh, that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. Remember that time when you stood under that great contest when you had first received the light. And this could be what Jesus is talking about, that in all their busyness, in all their activity, in all their hard work, in all of their perseverance, in all of the, the things where, you know, they had this standard where they, they practiced uh, holiness in their church, where they where they purged things, where they tested things, where they hated the things that Jesus hated and, and seemingly loved the things that he loved, they missed him. And this is the overall thrust of the New Testament, to know Christ and to be known by him. We can have all of the other things right and we can be doing all of that activity and yet sometimes we can even intentionally push away that first love it's it's amazing and frightening that this church could at the same time um, have both of those things going on at once and yet this warning from jesus uh, you have forsaken your first love and there's a little recipe that he gives here Remember the height from which you have fallen. So remember, uh, repent. So to repent, we know what that means, right? It means to change your, your mind, change your position about this thing and do the things that you did at first. Whatever those things were, they were an indication that their first love was Jesus, was that priority of relationship with him and i wonder today what where are we at in terms of our love uh for god and this is a this is a great great question that uh, is being asked here uh where are we at um maybe you're watching this and you're kind of i, I do i do a lot of these things that the ephesians did but in all of it, uh, my prayer life is dwindling. Uh, I don't have that sense of walking with the presence of God. Uh, my Bible reading life is dwindling, even in all of the busyness and all of the seeming uh, victories that I'm having. Jesus and my relationship with Him and Him being a priority 
is somehow slipping and slipping and slipping. And in this time of pandemic, it's even more difficult. So maybe that's you today and maybe you just need to make an intentional shift and to say, you know what, I can have all of those things in place, but my number one goal is to know Christ and to know Him. I want Him to say on the great day that He knows me and that I know Him. All of these other things that I've done for Him are going to just be things that I've done for Him. But do I know Him? Do I have a personal, living, vibrant walk with the Savior? And that's what you need. That's what's going to get you through. That's what's going to help you to do the things that you know you need to do. So, Father, I pray that you would help us, God. Uh, You would help us first and foremost, Lord, to put you first. And I, I pray on behalf of those who are watching and those who are listening, God, and I just say, Lord, I repent. I repent and I ask for your forgiveness, Lord. I want to love you first and seek you first and your kingdom and your righteousness, Lord, that when I wake up in the morning, you would be on my mind and on my heart and on my soul and that my desire would be Christ. And Lord, I consider all the other things as secondary and I put you first in my life. Maybe you're listening, watching to this and you don't even know if you have a relationship with Jesus at all. Just cry out to him and say, God, have mercy on me. Come into my life. Forgive me for my sin. Uh, Change me from the inside out, Lord. I want to be a follower of Jesus, pure and simple to know Jesus. And so, Lord, that is our, our, our cry Uh, today. We thank you, Lord, that you speak to us even through the pages of this this strange book uh, written 2,000 years ago. And Lord, we ask this Labor Day weekend, you would fill us afresh with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you so much. Uh, for joining in with us. I remind you to share this content. Hit that little share button on Facebook or however you want to do it. Some people do watch parties, whatever it is. But share this content, folks, as we teach the Bible and reach people. And thank you so much for doing that. Watch out for the link uh, for the Alpha course. I will send it out today or tomorrow. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend, everyone. And until next time, God bless you.